The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. Good morning, Springs Church. Welcome, everybody here in the room. It's so good to be with you. Welcome to everybody online. We are missing you this morning and longing to be with you one day safely. Uh, about a dozen days ago, if you hadn't heard through the grapevine, uh, just wanted to let you know that Laura and I were able to officially adopt our son, Jeremiah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. We are so incredibly grateful for all of you. Our families have been there for us 100% from the very beginning, and that includes this church family. Uh, that includes... All of you as individuals, that includes our connections group diving into the deep end with us, and uh, we're just so grateful to walk this journey with you all. So let's, with that said, go to God in prayer this morning together. Lord Jesus, we lift you up, and we give thanks for your grace. We give thanks for your presence through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we give thanks for who you are. Bless us with the gift of your illumination. God, I ask for the gift of preaching, and we ask that you would give us the strength and the faith to live out your gospel in our lives. We love you, Lord, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The Word became flesh and lived among us. God showed up in a body. That's the message of Christmas. That's the whole season that we just lived through. The message of Christmas is God putting on flesh and blood in the incarnation. And you can hear the word carnal, right, in the middle of the word incarnation. God putting on flesh and blood. Right, reach over and touch the skin on your arm. Touch the skin on your hands. The eternal, unchangeable, infinite God put on this. That's the cost and the scandal and the miracle of the incarnation. And as hard as it can be for us at times to believe that Jesus could be divine, for the early church, it was also a question of how could Jesus, the Son of God, really be fully human? Right? How could God actually put on flesh and blood? That's the mystery of the incarnation. And I think at times, we don't give the incarnation the same top billing that we give to other moments in the salvation story, right? I think the cross and resurrection, understandably so, we give them the marquee slot, right? We give them top billing. But the incarnation, just as, if not more so, important that God did what he did as a flesh and blood human being. Ben and I actually got to teach a class on worship at OC a couple years ago, and one of the assignments that we did was to have our students pick a season of the church, so Easter, Christmas, Advent, Lent, and plan a worship service in that season. And I remember a student coming up to us after one of those classes essentially saying, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in all the seasons, kind of except for Christmas. I mean, you know, it's just the incarnation was the message. 
just the incarnation. But the incarnation is deeply, deeply important. And in fact, St. Augustine says that we should rejoice and be in wonder that our Lord Jesus Christ was made man rather than that he as God performed divine deeds among us. Our salvation, after all, depends more upon what he was made on our behalf than on what he did among us. If God doesn't become human, the death of Jesus means nothing. But John says the word became flesh and lived among us, that God shows up in person. So what does this mean for technology? God and technology, faithfulness in a digital age, that's what we're talking about this month. And so the question is, what does the incarnation have to do with our relationship to technology? Well, to answer that, we have to know what the implications are of the incarnation, the fact that Jesus did come, that God did become flesh and blood. And here's what I think those implications are. God becoming flesh is the greatest affirmation of human flesh. God putting on flesh and blood is the greatest possible endorsement of human flesh and blood. Right? If you started a pickup basketball league in Oklahoma City, and you were able to somehow, through a connection to recruit and convince a Thunder player to come and play for your pickup basketball league, that's the greatest possible endorsement that your little pickup basketball league could possibly receive. Right? You're legit. You've arrived if you've got an NBA player playing in your summer pickup basketball league. When God puts on human flesh and blood, that is the greatest endorsement that ordinary embodied human being can ever receive. That the word became flesh. So, here's where technology comes in. We have to live with technology in a way that honors the incarnation, right? If God endorses and affirms our embodied humanness, our technology has to do the same, right? If our technology, which is a good gift, right? It's the product of human cultivation. As Ben said last week, this series is not technology equals bad, right? Technology is a gift. And if our technology is affirming and endorsing and complementing our flesh and blood human existence, then we're on the right track. It's doing its job. But on the flip side, if our technology distorts, demeans, denigrates our flesh and blood human existence, then we lo we've lost the thread, right? If our technology cheapens or thins out our ordinary embodied existence, then we've gone off track. So the incarnation is, is one criterion for, for how we evaluate our relationship with technology, 
right? We can look at the incarnation and say, does my relationship to technology live up and honor that Jesus was God in the flesh? So how do we do that? How do we evaluate it? How do we live in ways that honor the incarnation with our technology? Well, let's talk about an example. Let's talk about the internet, right? The internet. Communication technology has been important to human beings for a long, long time, right? You think about the ability to communicate instantly with someone at a long distance away. That's been really helpful for humankind, right? Think back to you know, a ram's horn, somebody blowing that a mile away, alerting you of coming danger, that's really helpful. You don't have to run back into town, right? Smoke signals, communication technology. The internet is a really, really advanced, effective version of smoke signals, right? The internet is such a gift, isn't it? It is an incredible resource for human life. On the internet, you can connect with more human beings around the globe than any human before us could possibly have imagined. On the internet, you can learn about almost anything on the internet. The internet is the entire reason that many of you this morning are able to connect with us, to tune in this morning. It's been an incredible gift, especially in the midst of a pandemic, hasn't it? The internet is an incredible gift. And it's really good at connecting us, as Ben talked about last week. The internet builds bridges between people. But at the same time, of course, I'm not saying much you don't already know this morning. At the same time that the internet can build bridges, we have to acknowledge that the bridges that it builds can be flimsier and cheaper than what we get in a space together, right? The internet can build bridges, but it can also drive wedges. Right? The internet can also create canyons between us. It can create bad behavior in our human lives, right? In fact, all the, the polarization that we talk about stoked a lot on the internet. Some of that spilled over into our nation's capital this last week. It took human lives, right? Because on the internet, even as we have a bridge, there's a distance between us. Right? On the internet, even as we have a bridge, there's a screen to hide behind. So we'll say things on the internet that we wouldn't say in person. Let me use just a, a quick example from my own life. Laura and I are musicians. We've got a few cover songs uh, that we've put up on YouTube over the years. And occasionally I'll get an email that says, you know, somebody's commented on one of our YouTube videos, and so I'll open it, and, you know, people said some nice things on there. Well, one day I open it up, and I look in my inbox, and I see that someone's commented on a duet we did, and this is the comment. Huge thumbs down. You guys look like Nazis. <laughs> what? <laughs> Now, 
I don't care that this person does not like our music. I, it, we're not everyone's cup of tea. Doesn't offend me at all. And I'll even grant, it's not the first time I've been told I have German-like features. <laughs> but Nazis, I, you know, this person, I assume, would never have said this to us face to face, right? We've played a lot of shows and no one's ever come up and said, you look like a genocidal maniac. <laughs> Wouldn't happen in person. There's a distance even as the internet connects us. We see it in comment sections everywhere. Right? There, there's a distance and the bridges that the internet can build that we're grateful for are still less than the in-person embodied experience, right? And, and the folks who know this more than anyone are the ones tuning in right now, right? Lara and the boys are at home this morning. Most of us have probably tuned in. I've even tuned in during our pre-recorded services. We have to admit, as grateful as we are for the ability to stay connected and stay safe during a pandemic, it doesn't measure up, Right? I mean, frankly, even being in the room right now is, is odd and different than it used to be. But at home, it, it does feel thinned out, right? And so while we're incredibly grateful for, for the connection that we have, the way that it's kept us safe, it, it feels inhibited, right? It, it feels like it's thinned out our embodied flesh and blood connection. And some might disagree. You know, some of you here, some of you at home online, you might be thinking, honestly, I, I prefer it. Right? I, I prefer church online. I mean, it's just, it's smoother, right? I can just, I can sit on the couch. I'm in my PJs. I've got my coffee. You know, when your sermon starts, I can go get working on lunch. <laughs> it's just easier. It smooths things out. I don't have to smell the coffee breath, Right? But the thing that I think we forget is that while we like when technology kind of smooths out our existence in certain ways, we forget that some of the friction that we want technology to smooth out makes up the texture of our lives. Some of the friction that we want technology to smooth out is what gives our lives texture. Right? It's, it's that in-person that gives life personality. And it's vital to the Christian life. It's vital to human flesh and blood life. And I think part of the issue is that while cyberspace connects us, cyberspace is not a place. It's not actually a place. It's not extended in space. You can't smell it. You can't feel the warmth of the sun on your shoulders in cyberspace. And it's an incredible gift to connect us, but we lose something. And I think John chapter 1 speaks in the same direction. Right? Jesus comes and he embodies actual space in his flesh and blood. The early Christians 
tried to reconcile the fact that God could really be a flesh and blood human being. And so some actually put forth these heretical ideas. You know, maybe he's just a phantom. Maybe he's kind of this projection of God. Maybe he's a hologram, virtual reality in our day and age. But John says the word became flesh. And don't forget the second half. Lived among us in a place. Jesus didn't inhabit cyberspace. He lived among us. He rubbed elbows. He broke bread. He hugged. He cried. He laughed. He kissed. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so here's what I want us to to take away this morning, church. I want us to take away that God shows up in person, and we should too. God shows up in person, and whenever possible, we should too. Now, please, again, here's the disclaimer. Do not hear me preaching to the folks online saying, you need to be here next week in person. That's not at all what I'm saying. I I think we need to be wise with the ways that we're in person and not put our neighbor in harm's way. But as a broader point about the Christian life, which does apply to church, when God shows up in person, he teaches us that there is incredible value in the embodied human interaction that we get that the internet can't simply provide us. All right, being in person gives us incredible value because it's costly, right? It it is costly to be in person. There is an ease and a smoothing out with online interactions. It's costly. I I think of my parents, you know, making countless treks down from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, nine hours. You know, it costs time. It costs money. It it costs sleep because our boys are waking them up, but we're grateful for it. We get something with them in person and with all our family and friends that we can't get over Zoom, over FaceTime. And this pandemic, if it's taught us anything, has taught us the incredible value of being in person. God shows up in person. And so whenever possible, we should too. Andy Crouch wrote a book called The TechWise Family. And it's a really good book. I recommend it. And you'll probably hear more about it because it partly inspired this sermon series. And he goes through in the book 10 TechWise commitments that he and his family have tried to implement in their lives to varying degrees of success or failure. And the last commitment is probably the first one that his family tried because it was a decision that he and his wife made early on in their marriage. They decided, he and his wife Catherine, that whenever they got an invitation to a wedding or a funeral, if it wasn't 100% impossible to be there, at least one of them would go. Any wedding, any funeral, every invitation... No matter what, they would reschedule whatever they could reschedule. They would spend whatever amount of money they could spend. They would move heaven and earth for at least one of them to be there in person. 
That really impressed me. And it convicted me. Because I've not been that way. There have been times where my priorities weren't that well defined. It inspired me. Because that's the kind of Christian community that God really does intend for us. And that's what we're lamenting so much about this season is that it's been made so difficult. We lament all the lives that have been lost in this season and then we lament the fact that we can't properly lament those lives. There's something essential to the in-person. In fact, Paul The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans gets about 11 verses into the letter and he says this, he says to the Christians in Rome, he says, for I'm longing to see you that I may share with you some spiritual gift to strengthen you or rather so that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. The internet has made Long-distance connection, it's made COVID-safe connection, it's made all sorts of connections wonderfully possible. But the incarnation calls us to remember that there is something essential to embodied sharing of space. There's something essential Paul could have communicated all kinds of things to this church in his letter. He did. He encouraged them in the letter to the Romans. But there was something that wasn't there. A letter can take words. The internet can take voices and faces even. But our bodies... The, the good bodies that God created us in, the bodies that God endorses in Jesus Christ brings something essential to the mix. The word became flesh and lived among us. When God puts on flesh, he puts on this stuff. He affirms our embodied human existence far greater than any other possibly could. God calls us to use technology according to that embodiment. To look at the incarnation and look at our relationship to technology and see if they measure up. Because it is costly to be in person. It's costly this flesh and blood existence. There's friction to it. But it's the good life that God has called us to. Right, as Ryan talked about in his homily, even finding ways to touch even without touching. That's what we have to do in this season because that's the kind of life that the incarnation calls us to. That Jesus knew how costly it would be to be in person. Jesus knew that the flesh he put on would be torn. He knew that the blood he inhabited would be spilled. But he came to make a way for us, to call us to his way of wisdom, and to redeem us, flesh, blood, all of us. May we look to Jesus, our Savior, human and divine, 
and to walk in his ways of embodied wisdom. Let's stand and praise that God man this morning.